It's about helping them in a way that is as intense as their needs are. Um, and, and that's where I think we really did what needed to be done. You know, the, the level of support never, ever slowed down or dropped. It was always kept at the level it needed to be. Welcome to Compassion, Courage, Consolation. Voices for St. Vincent's during COVID-19. In this podcast, we're talking to people who love St. Vincent's, love our staff and love the service we provide in health and aged care. We're doing this to support our compassion for one another and those we serve, to bolster our courage in this extraordinary time and to provide consolation amidst the challenges we're facing. And whilst prepared for St. Vincent's, we're sharing this series with anyone who might find it helpful. If you're joining us from outside of our services, consider yourself part of the family. You're very welcome indeed. My name is Dan Fleming. I lead ethics and formation for St. Vincent's. And in this episode, it's a great privilege to welcome Marianne Ibrahim, who is Domestic and Family Violence Manager for Open Support, which is a designated social services ministry within Mary Aikenhead Ministries and operates as part of St. Vincent's Clinic in Darlinghurst, Sydney. Marianne, welcome. It's wonderful to have you on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Dan. It's great to be here. Marianne, I wonder if we could just start. Could you tell me a bit about Open Support itself and your work there? Sure. Um, so Open Support is a not-for-profit organisation that essentially was established to address unmet needs in the community. Um, so our sort of core focuses, I suppose, are social isolation and domestic and family violence. Mm. Um, so the Domestic and Family Violence Program uh, essentially has a number of elements to it and um, they basically fall under crisis accommodation, which is when women are f- and children are fleeing abusive homes and they need somewhere to go. So that's the crisis accommodation, um, which is quite a short-term accommodation option. Um, and then we have our transitional accommodation, which is a bit more of a sort of uh, medium term option. It just gives them a little bit more stability for a little bit longer to find their feet. And then we have our standalone case management service. So there are often women um, who are experiencing abuse who um, they have housing, they're not, um, that's not really a, a presenting need for them, but they still need the support. So we provide them um, that intense domestic violence case management. And so um, even our women in crisis accommodation or transitional accommodation will still have that intense case management support. Um, It's just that we will provide them accommodation as well. Mm, Wow, it's extraordinarily important work and really significant right at this moment in time. We'll get to that in a moment. Marianne, um, just to weave the tapestry for those listening in terms of the St Vincent's context, my understanding is Open Support was established by the Sisters of Charity in around 1990, is that right? Yeah, it is. And it was essentially established um, alongside the clinic, I suppose, St Mm. Vincent's. However, um, the Sisters really... um, I suppose, put their foot down and wanted to ensure that um, even though there was this uh, private clinic, they also wanted to ensure that there was um, a not-for-profit service that was also working in the community. And so that's why um, Open Support essentially was established. And it's uh, basically the only sort of community service, not-for-profit branch of St. Vincent's left. 
And it does such beautiful work, as you've described there, and such crucial work in difficult circumstances too. And Maryam, we've been hearing a bit in the media and so on about domestic and family violence in the context of COVID-19. How have things changed in your work at this time? And what are you seeing in the context of your focus on caring those who are suffering from domestic and family violence? Yeah, so um, it has been in the media a lot. Uh, and I, I, I do want to just stress one point, which is, um, you know, domestic and family violence was very much a, a big issue before COVID mm. and it will continue be a big issue after COVID. So it's definitely, um, and the reason I say that is because I, I do worry that people, um, you know, will get sort of a bit caught up in COVID. COVID-19 is not a, a cause for domestic violence. So um, it's just important we really remember to stay focused that domestic violence has been an issue um, with or without COVID. But where the COVID-19 issue does play a role is it can exacerbate the issue. So, for example, when you hear from the sector and the issues that are going on because of COVID-19, you know, now what we're finding is that, um, you know, perpetrators of abuse, they have a lot more access to women and children. So if, for example, people are losing their jobs or even, you know, on the weekends when people cannot really go out very much, everybody is stuck inside. And so, um, you know, even though um, there would have been controlling um, and monitoring type behaviours before, they will increase because everyone is together a lot more. And so that then creates huge um, issues for, you know, the services that are trying to help and support these women because we find it more difficult to um, connect and contact and access the women. So, for example, there may have been women who were engaged with services before who've had to disengage because there's no way for them to be able to talk to someone on the phone safely or email someone because emails are being checked and phones are being checked or, um, you know, for example, if the perpetrators are home all the time, women may um, be unable to leave with their children and often won't uh, women will not leave without children, you know, because they will want to keep their children safe as well. Um, or, for example, other other things like um, a lot of refuges um, are shared facilities. So there are some, um, you know, services that have single dwellings, but um, there are also a lot of shared facilities. And so women either don't really want to go into a shared facility right now because of the risks of, you know, contracting COVID or, for example, the other way, which are women that are in shared facilities want to exit quite quickly because of the risks of COVID. So there's definitely a lot of, um, you know, issues that are exacerbated. It's harder for us to um, stay connected with them and engage with them. So there's there's definitely been um, further challenges, I suppose, in terms of being able to support these women. Wow, that's that sets up a whole different set of concerns, doesn't it? But as you say, it's not that COVID created these concerns. It exacerbates them in a certain way. And Marianne, I was reading just before we began about some of the work you and the team are doing there. How have you adapted to some of this context? Yeah, so I think the, the, the thing that we did quite well is that we responded quite early on. Um, so we once we started seeing, um, I suppose, um, as a leadership team, you know, the, the stats and the, the spread and things like that, we really decided to 
just respond. And so we had to do a lot of very quick planning and very quick um, responding to make sure both our, our teams and our staff were kept safe, but, you know, the clients that we had. And so basically um, the domestic violence program, what we did is we essentially remodeled our um, service delivery model. And what that meant was um, we essentially were able to dramatically increase our capacity to provide case management support for women. So it also meant that we had reached capacity in terms of our crisis accommodation. Um, however, we increased dramatically our case management support. So what that meant is we were able to help a lot more women. Um, and because we're using a lot of um, tech technology-based methods, um, we are really able to reach them a lot more in their homes. And of course, like I had mentioned before, you know, we need to be careful that there's a lot of safety measures in place because sometimes you can't um, just email someone. Um, but really, that's how we've tried to um, really ensure that we were able to respond well to COVID-19. And, um, you know, not only trying to increase the number of women that you know, we've been able to help, but also we've been able to broaden our eligibility criteria. So, for example, now um, the benefit of using technology is that you're not bound by geographical location, for example. Um, and Sydney being so large, if everything was face to face, you would have to, uh, you know, limit who you know, how, how far you could kind of go out. Um, and so things like that um, have really been the way we've sort of reshaped our work. Um, and also, I mean, in saying that as well, we've got different um, different types of women uh, coming into the service. So because it's not just focused on um, crisis accommodation and transitional accommodation, um, you know, we're able to help those women that are still at the stage of, maybe not wanting to leave or they're not able to leave so they're still in the family home but we're still able to connect with them and we can help them with things like safety planning um, and safety planning is something that you can do whether a woman is trying to leave or whether it's to try and keep her as safe as possible while she remains in the home um, you know and helping her to try and access things like Centrelink or um, you know access things like you know when, when things were going wrong with the school to help her and her children around there or legal and immigration support, which is a very uh, common one for us because at Open Support, we also have um, quite a focus in trying to support women on temporary visas, which have a lot of other additional barriers. So, you know, access to migration and legal advice is also very, very important. Wow, uh, it's incredible um, nimbleness, if I can put it that way, Marianne. And I... Uh, those who've listened to other episodes in the podcast will pick up this theme again and again in the St. Vincent's family that there's this capacity to respond to extraordinary change quickly and to continue advancing the mission in new ways, which uh, as best as possible and sometimes in, in even better ways allow us to continue to care for those who we were set up to serve. And, and as with so many of these discussions I've been privileged to have along this time, I'm once again left in awe really at the, the work of you and your teams, Marianne, to continue this work. It's just beautiful. When you look ahead from now, what kind of concerns and issues are you seeing for the domestic and family violence area? Um, look, I mean, I think for me, 
the the biggest issue for me is always going to be access you know especially um you know as i was saying we have a a real um particular focus in trying to help women from um you know, um, culturally diverse backgrounds on temporary visas, which is a really difficult cohort to support because, you know, they come into an environment where they're simply not eligible for, you know, social security or, or, or medical care or, you know, they often don't have rights to work or study. So, you know, when when that's sort of the conditions, it's really difficult to access um, services and to have your needs met. So I think for me, an ongoing issue is obviously the access Access of um, help and support for, for these women. Um, and I think more broadly, um, in terms of domestic and family violence, another big issue is the issue of prevention. Um, you know, unless we as a sector, you know, get prevention right, we're going to continue to see, you know, domestic violence well into the future. Um, so it's really important to, you know, ensure that from a really young age, you know, young young girls and young women know um, their value and they know what a healthy relationship looks like and they know how to pick up and identify the subtle cues of, you know, an unhealthy relationship. And, you know, likewise for young young men and young boys where, you know, you know um, at times they're looking um, to access some kind of sex education. They might look at things like pornography or whatever. And often these things give them some really unhealthy ideas of, you know, how you treat women and how to be in relationship with women. And, you know, so it's really important for our young men and our young boys to understand um, what a healthy relationship looks like, what healthy masculinity is, um, and, you know, how to then uh, be in relationship with women um, generally, whether that's intimately or, you know, generally in, in other types of relationships. Mm. And this goes to your first point, doesn't it, Marianne, about the um, whilst COVID exacerbates some of these things, we have to remember that before COVID and after COVID, these continue to be issues. So we can't just focus on this crisis moment in time and respond as if this is the only time in which we should respond. This is about consistency and coherency across the continuum of time uh, and some of these initiatives are things that absolutely have to happen outside of this time too and one of the things we've been doing in in this podcast is thinking about how stories um, invite us into a consideration of what that might look like through our own story uh, as St Vincent's in that context Marianne is is there a story that comes to mind for you which holds together those themes of the podcast compassion courage and consolation um look to be completely honest when um you say that to me what comes to mind is really the team because um, we always want the best outcomes for the women and children and and that's why we're all there you know the the, the sector you know the not-for-profit sector and our team at open support the reason we're all there is because we want to help them it's it's beyond just the job um, and so that's always going to be the case but for me uh, the team that we have, the domestic violence team at Open Support is really um, has just amazed me, and I say that in all genuineness, uh, genuineness because 
you know, when all these changes had to happen because of our response to COVID-19, they, they had to happen very quickly. It, it, there were changes that were happening with very little notice, you know, within, within a space of a number of days or within a week, you know, our team went from being, you know, 24 seven uh, crisis accommodation service that, that was staffed essentially to really reducing the number of staff that were in that refuge to how we work, to how we were contacting clients. So much changed so quickly. And, you know, the team just rolled with it. They rolled with the changes. There was never, you know, complaints or resistance. They just embraced it and they just got on with the job. And, and the one thing they did not drop the ball on was absolutely that help and um, support for women. Not that they dropped the ball anywhere, but I'm just stressing that, yeah. you know, they just really just embraced it and went with it. And I think when you work in a team like that, that are just so, um, they just see the positives and they just try to go with it. Um, it's just really humbling. It's really humbling. And, and and being part of a team like that means you really can do what needs to be done. You really can continue to help the women um, as much as possible. And I think crucially in domestic and family violence, it's not just about helping them or, you know, it's about helping them in a way that is as intense as their needs are. Um, and, and that's where I think we really um, did what needed to be done. You know, the, the level of support never, ever slowed down or dropped. It was always kept at the level it needed to be by the team, despite, you know, the anxieties and the, the, the environment that they were, they were in. So for me, um, that's what comes to mind. Mm, that's that's beautiful, and I, I love that that phrase you've used, uh, delivering help that is as intense as the needs that arise. That really captures uh, something extraordinary in this conversation, Marianne. And and in that context, some of the needs you're encountering are intense, um, and I imagine will be very confronting. What consoles you? What gives you courage? What helps you to continue to be compassionate in this context? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I have to say, like, when you work in this kind of field, definitely um, your compassion can be tested. It, it, it's really challenging. It's really hard. And like you said, it's, it's really confronting. I think for me, um, particularly in the context of COVID, what I have seen is I've seen something that I personally, I mean, other people may feel different, but I personally have not experienced the response of government and the sector as it currently is. So we, we, we have seen, you know, um, the government working really hard to try and respond to COVID. And, you know, one of the um, things that they've really picked up on is domestic violence and they've invested in that. And, and for me, that, to me, that, that speaks volumes because it tells me they really acknowledge the seriousness of this issue. And so when I see things like that and then the way that the sector as well has responded not only to that and responded well to that, but themselves having to adapt in their services and their responses, to me that gives me... Um, it, that, that really gives me, I suppose, that motivation or that renewed energy that, you know, it's not um, sort of 
a lost cause that is, you know, just no one's listening to and no one wants to help. It, the complete opposite, in fact. So for me, if there's been a positive that has come out of, you know, this pandemic, it's really been um, that, that, that just the acknowledgement and, you know, the constant campaigns and the media and the talking about it and raising awareness and, you know, it's just been, for me, I just, I've, I've not really experienced that before so that for me has been a really wonderful thing marianne this podcast as you know is being listened to across the whole of st vincent's and also by others out in the community so you've got the ear of many different people at this time with a special focus on our st vincent staff what would you like to say to them at this time look if there was one thing i could say or one message to get across it really really is to please 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 pay attention, be alert, and really um, just focus on what's going on around you. Um, You know, domestic violence can be a very silent issue. You know, people suffer in silence. It can be a very difficult thing to identify, but you know your colleagues, you know your friends, you know your in-laws and family and your community. You would know people, and I'm really pleading with everyone out there to just, you know, if you pick up any differences in behaviour and people withdrawing and people's irritability and people, you know, disappearing, taking unexpected leave, um, if you're unable to contact people, you know, anything like that, please pay attention and try um, just to notice because um, that is how we're going to be able to reach women um, who can't kind of pick up the phone and access help themselves. And if I can just um, give a story to try and just emphasise that point is um, in the media not too long ago, probably a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago maybe, um, there was a woman who was actually murdered as a result of domestic and family violence in South Australia. And when I was reading about this report, it said that, um, you know, police kind of took witness statements and things after the event, um, you know, where people, you know, her neighbours and people reported that she'd been screaming and things. But what really struck me um, and just is really sad is that even though they heard these things going on, no one reported it to the police at the time. And so the consequence was she was unable to get help and, and she died. So what I am asking for is that if you hear things like that, if you notice things, please, please try to do what you can. And I'm not suggesting, you know, for people to intervene or to go knocking on doors or, look, I'm not suggesting putting yourself in harm's way. I'm just um, suggesting to do what you can um, to try to ensure that she has access to, to help. That's a, it's a clarion call, Marianne, to keep our radars tuned, especially at this time. But as we've heard through this whole discussion, having a consistent focus on the vulnerabilities of those in this area and what can be done to support. And in that context, thank you so much for the work that you and your teams do to support these vulnerable women and children. And thank you so much for spending some time with me on the podcast today. Oh, look, my pleasure. And thank you so much for the opportunity as well to talk about um, such an important issue. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to Compassion, Courage, Consolation. Voices for St Vincent's during COVID-19. This podcast series has been developed by St Vincent's Health Australia. 
For more information about St. Vincent's, visit www.svha.org.au. The music for this podcast comes from Kevin McLeod. His track, Bittersweet, let us in, and you can hear his track, Touching Moments, one now. Kevin's website is incompetech.filmmusic.io, and the music is brought to you under the Creative Commons 4.0 license. All of this information and more is provided in the text accompanying this podcast. Thanks for listening.